We're going to start today's session with a conversation with Yash Hemaraj, founding partner of Arca Venture Labs and also a partner at Benamu Global Ventures. Yash, welcome to the show. Thanks, Samana. Looking forward so to I the conversation. First, uh, I will first let you introduce uh, what you are doing. I know it's an experimental project, Arca Venture Labs. So tell us, uh, tell our audience about Arca, and uh, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. So uh, we've off to a good start. Uh, we launched Arca Venture Lab summer of uh, last year, summer 2018. Arca Venture Labs is India's first B2B-focused cross-border acceleration accelerator. Uh, our idea is to see the next wave of enterprise innovation uh, coming from India and connect them to the global ecosystem. Uh, primarily, we are looking at B2B-focused companies. So the major markets are North America and Western Europe, So, uh, and in particular, the North American North American market and within that, the U.S. market. So the, those are the markets that we are uh, uh, focused on. And our goal is to provide a platform, an open and collaborative platform for entrepreneurs to uh, come to the U.S., uh, set up uh, uh, the base over here, and uh, get the necessary help that uh, these entrepreneurs need in order to be successful in the global markets. Um, so, so um, um, yes, yeah. um, Yash, we'll talk a little bit about the model, especially uh, what your philosophy of funding is in our Venture Labs. Yeah, so we, we give about uh, uh, 200K of capital to our founders, um, and there's a lot of thought that went into this. Uh, what we observed was that many accelerators are not giving any cash or kind of giving only 20, 25K of uh, cash to the founders. Um, and our realization was that the companies that we are dealing with are enterprise companies. The sales cycles are six to nine months, if not more, in some cases. Um, so we wanted to kind of give them enough cash such that they can do two things. One is fast experimentation and fast learning. And uh, have a, at least two or three cycles of this by, uh, by nine to 12 months. Um, so that is the goal of uh, giving 200K uh, to our founders. Sometimes uh, the founders want to raise slightly more money, um, up to, let's say, a million dollars. So in those cases, we participate with our 200K and also help the founders secure the remaining uh, amount. So that's the capital model that we are going with. But the, the whole focus of Arca Venture Labs is not just capital, but also providing a platform where the founders can also get the mentorship that they need um, get access to the Silicon Valley ecosystem and also get access to digital and physical infrastructure. So um, it is uh, about 200K of capital, but also comes with these ad additional things. So folks, uh, audience who are listening, uh, 1 million by 1 million has a partnership with Arca Venture Labs. So all Arca Venture Labs companies will have access to 1M by 1M premium. That is the um, arrangement we have made. And, um, and let's kind of dive down, Yash, a little bit to explain to our audience the criteria for funding. So if you're going to give $200,000 to a founding team, what do you want to see that they have already accomplished before you're willing to write that 200K check? Yeah. No, and um, uh, before I get into the question, we are extremely fortunate to have this uh, partnership uh, uh, with uh, 1M by 1M because uh, uh, 
when it comes to B2B in particular, uh, there are certain things that you can do in order to help the companies. Uh, unlike B2C, uh, B2B is very structured in terms of uh, helping the company scale. So having that collective learnings from lots and lots of entrepreneurs is extremely important because if the founders do certain things uh, well, they can de-risk the company uh, dramatically. So uh, in, in that way, uh, I want to underscore the importance of this partnership. Um, so now into your question. Um, so we apply a very rigorous criteria uh, to select the best startups coming from India. So it starts off with, uh, I, I say five things, but the most important thing is strong and passionate founding team who have a unique insight into a business. Uh, it, the unique insight comes from either they're coming from a different industry, applying uh, a new technique or a new thought process into that new industry, or it could be a pain point that they have lived with for a while. Right, so uh, that's where the unique insight and uh, the, the experience of the founding team counts a lot. The use cases have to be global B2B use cases. Uh, there are a lot of companies that have use cases only related to the Indian domestic market. Those are not the companies that we are looking to fund. Um, and uh, and in order to kind of help uh, help those companies, we want to see that the company have some sort of an MVP uh, which is ready to scale. I, I call it MSP, minimum sellable product, so that mm -hmm. uh, we are not investing in the technology part of the business, but uh, which which happens continuously in early stages. But um, we we would like to kind of see, okay, here is a few set of customers who are ready to buy a product like this, and we help kind of scale the go-to-market teams. We help kind of uh, build that fast experimentation along with the customers uh, in the loop. Um, so uh, that's the MVP side. And uh, the last two are uh, what makes the companies really stand out. One is, uh, as we all know, India has a unique uh, talent base of probably the world's largest and also youngest population of computer-educated and English-educated population. And this provides a, a core technology differentiation for the companies which are based out of India. Along with that, it also provides a clear economic advantage. The economic advantage in the past used to be just the technology piece, meaning finding developers who can uh, code. But now you can also see that uh, the founders can do inside sales from India, deliver a very high level of customer success for their clients, for the customers. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. all these contribute to clear economic advantage, which means that less capital intensity in the business. Yeah. So these are and, things um, that we really do. One thing, one point I will uh, double click on, which comes up a lot, is because you know the reason we have this partnership, folks, is that we have a huge overlap in in the Indian market. We do have a big presence. One million by one million is also very present in the Indian market, and we've been present for a very long time. Especially the whole Indian SaaS category was one that we played a very big role right from the beginning. Um, now, the question that will come up from founders, I'm just going to put it to you, Yash, and, and we can kick it around, um, is a lot of these Indian SaaS companies start with Indian customers. You know, maybe the first three to five customers are Indian customers, maybe even a dozen Indian customers, and then come, you know, they fine-tune the product using Indian customers and then start selling abroad. Um, is that an okay 
level of validation for you to write the 200K check, or do you need a U.S. customer already or Western European customer already in the pool before you're willing to write the check? So I'll answer that question in two parts. In, um, first, uh, yes, we are okay uh, with, uh, with, with uh, the founders uh, developing what I call as the minimum sellable product in the Indian market. Uh, but the kind of customers that they choose has to be carefully selected such that the customer is probably a global customer, like a global bank, which have an Indian presence, or it could be a CPG company, which has a lot of presence in the Indian market and interest in the Indian market. So who have offices there, who have teams over there. So those are the ideal customers for these uh, companies to work with. Um, Second, I mean, this is just a, an observation that I've seen from a lot of companies uh, uh, that approach us. And one of the common mistakes that people do is when they're working with the Indian market, they totally focus on just the Indian market. And one day they, pay, they want to pivot to the global markets. When, when I say the global market, I use the North American or the American market as the uh, proxy for it. And that hard pivots are usually very, very tough. And... A lot of times founders say, okay, we are going to re relocate completely to the U.S. and then we are going to start experimenting with that market. I think that mm -hmm. market, uh, that uh, approach is flawed. Uh, I think the better way to kind of approach this is by uh, having periodic visits, let's say once every two months or once every three months, coming here, connecting to the Valley ecosystem, connecting to customers, and learning about what, are, what is the need for the global market and how different that market is from their probably the local customers that they're experimenting with? And building the cycle of fast experimentation right from the beginning and incorporating the, the insights from the global customer base is extremely important. And this has to be done right from day one than trying to pivot the company at one point and, and now focusing on a different market. Uh, that usually leads to a lot of wasted dollars. So, um, and and that's one of the reasons why Arco Venture Labs kind of emphasizes the need for uh, coming here more often, using the platform that we have built to connect with customers and go back to their teams, experiment and iterate. So this is uh, how we would like to approach um, building global B2B companies. And then the other thing to think about in this. Um selecting customers to go after is what is the positioning of your company? Are you going after uh, large enterprises? Are you going after mid-market? Are you going after small businesses? And each of them have a slightly different go-to-market strategy. Um, you know, the inside sales point that you raised, Josh, is very interesting because um, Freshdesk, now Freshworks, for example, is a company that we watched grow from the very beginning. They were in the program for three years. And that company actually did not go to the enterprise at all until much, much later in the game. Now they're going after enterprise deals, doing very large deals and so forth. But when they started, they acquired customers, including closing deals, closing paying customers, all on the phone and internet. So it was fully inside sales driven uh, go-to-market strategy, and they did it all from India. They acquired global customers from sitting in India and actually 
when they raised their Series A, which was a 1 million Series A from Accel, they already had paying customers. And that's something that we decided collectively is that we were going to validate all the way, including pricing model, revenue model, customer acquisition strategy, customer acquisition cost, everything before going to raise money. So that worked very well, but it only worked because their customer base, target customer base for small businesses. This doesn't work as well if your main target customer base is enterprises. And, you know, you can, in some cases, actually, these days, enterprises are also very friendly to working with startups. So you can open conversations and, and start maybe even pilots with enterprises abroad. But, uh, but there are, you know, a higher touch selling needs that you have to pay attention to. Um, Yash, I'll let you, uh, you know, weigh in on this point. So absolutely, uh, uh, to your point on Freshworks, that's one of the companies that uh, we, we uh, highlight when um, we talk about what is the potential for Indian uh, founders. And SaaS is a big component uh, and big advantage point for uh, Indian founders because uh, now you can start small, deliver on the customer success. You can do that in initial customer acquisition through completely inside sales model, but then really uh, work with the customer uh, to make it successful, and that will lead to uh, larger and larger opportunities over time. Um, so one of our, as we designed the Arca Venture Lab programs, uh, one of our key fun approaches to this is one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Uh, what we saw with a lot of accelerators that have been set up is they try to set up a program for three months and fit all the companies through that three-month model. And what we saw, observed, and also discussed with a lot of entrepreneurs was that every company is different. You know, uh, a company that is uh, you know, targeting a factory floor is going to have a different sales cycle compared yeah. to a SaaS business focused on the sales and marketing vertical. An enterprise and, uh, accounts in three months is going to go absolutely nowhere. It's not going to go anywhere. So, you know, sometimes you don't even get your first meeting during that time or you don't have your POC set up. Or, so that's where our need was uh, that our fo program has to be curated one-on-one. -on -one, um, and... Uh, and that's where, uh, when we designed the program, our goal was not to kind of start 15, 20, 30 companies in one cohort, but rather have a continuous admission process, have a cohort of about 10 companies every year, and build a cohort of uh, 30 companies over a period of three years at least. So that is how we are approaching the market. That allows us to dedicate the amount of time that our entrepreneurs need in order to get that one-on-one -on -one mentorship uh, even when you are connecting them with mentors, uh, you know, just generic advice about how to build companies, about uh, uh, oh. what are some of the four to five sales motion which are employed within B2B companies. So those are all table stakes. But on top of it, positioning a company in a particular market, it is such a curated approach because every company is different, the markets, they're different, their customer bases are different, and their customer segments are different. So you got to kind of dedicate enough uh, time and bandwidth to these companies, and that's the goal of, uh, uh, of this platform, is to be able to provide this uh, framework. Uh, 
um, just uh, one-on-one coaching. So uh, that's another reason why this partnership came together is that we have uh, in One Million by One Million also it's a rolling admission. Anyone can join at any time. There's no you know, three-month program. There's no grad concept of graduation. We are building companies. So what do you graduate from? We don't believe in you know, graduation from an accelerator, really. So uh, I think these are important points, important differentiators, and important markers to pay attention to. Um, the other thing I would point out here is um, I think both ARCA and uh, One Million by One Million have a shared philosophy of bootstrapped entrepreneurship. $200,000 is not $200 million. So you can't throw money around. You have to be very capital efficient. You have to spend the money that you have access to very carefully, very conservatively, and on the right things. And this is where laser sharp positioning kicks in gear. If you don't have very good positioning, if you do what we call spray and pray, you're gonna run out of $200,000 in a nanosecond. And that's not helpful. That doesn't qualify you for more funding. That's gonna make you unfundable. So the $200,000 that you have access to through an ARCA relationship, for example, you're gonna have to use that very carefully. You're gonna have to deploy that very carefully. And you're gonna have to achieve concrete customer wins, concrete customer milestones. And and that's very much the philosophy of bootstrapping. Um, I'll let you talk about that, Yash. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, to your point, um, one of the I mean, key indicators for success is, uh, contributors for success is the first three to four hires that you make uh, within any business. Uh, and when you are cash-strapped, uh, and when you are taking a bootstrap approach to this, you, you cannot entice people with just the salary component. Okay, I'm going to match what a Microsoft is going to give you. Or I'm, I'm going, so you, you'll have to bring people on board based on a mission, uh, based on, uh, on the vision that you have set as a, as a founder of the company. And, and that mission-oriented approach contributes to a better culture within, within the startup itself. Uh, delivers better results. So I think uh, when founders take such a uh, a bootstrap approach to building the companies in the initial stages, it enables them to kind of build a very cohesive unit of uh, the initial four to five uh, people, four four to five employees, four to five contributors. I think that that will set up the company for success. That's one of the big advantages, in my opinion, of uh, taking a bootstrap approach. And there is one other very major advantage, which um, if you've been following um, some of the articles that we've published recently and have circulated through the newsletter and on LinkedIn and so forth, is the opportunity for bootstrapping to exit. So if you have small capital-efficient startups that you have built to a certain level of product market fit, you can achieve wonderful exits because, you know, mm-hmm. the truth is most exits happen in the sub-$50 million range. Maureen, you may want to share a couple of articles, a bootstrapping to exit article as well as, actually, since we're talking about Freshworks, we just did a 
story on Freshworks. They've done nine acquisitions, and all nine acquisitions are capital-efficient or bootstrap startups, and they've acquired nine of these. And, and uh, we did a story on this analyzing what's happening, and we've done story after story recently in, the, in this last 30 days. We've done story after story uh, analyzing what's happening on the acquisition side of B2B SaaS. So um, I think one of the things that's very attractive about ARCA is that um, you're not chasing unicorns, and I'll, I'll let you elaborate on that, Yash. So you were right on the point uh, with uh, that a lot of companies, especially in the B2B side, get acquired for anywhere from 50 to $100 million. Um, I, mean, I, I think there are some statistics that were published um, very recently. And, and that's the opportunity uh, where if you have taken in $50 million into your company, there is no way you can sell the company for $50 million and everybody is happy about it, right? So, uh, when, but on the other hand, when you have taken less than $4 or $5 million uh, to build a good revenue-based company where, where, you, where you have uh, multiple optionalities, right? You know, one is if you're, um, if you, um, if you're capital efficient, there is always profitability as an option uh, and continuing to uh, use the customer revenues to continue to build the business. So there's always that option on the table. The second option is M&A, uh, where uh, you, know, you see a strategic fit into uh, a slightly larger organization, or sometimes you know, it could be mergers of equals so that you, know, you have a much better operations or a much better value prop for uh, your target customers. Um, and uh, finally, you know, you can raise uh, other venture capital if, uh, you know, if you see the right uh, metrics there, like what Freshworks has now done in the, once they, yeah. once they have figured out their product market fit at scale, uh, they were able to raise additional amount and uh, go, go after uh, probably even larger market and larger segments, right? So uh, there's always uh, multiple options on the table, so it's extremely important. And um, if you look at the buy side of this story, if you think if you put the Freshworks hat on, that that company has raised now a huge amount of money, several hundred million dollars, and um, they also need to expand that product portfolio. They started as Fresh Desk, which was uh, help desk SaaS software. The reason they changed the name of the company to Freshworks is to expand the product portfolio. And that expansion of product portfolio they have done by acquiring companies. So when you look at why they're acquiring and what they're acquiring, they're trying to acquire companies that would expand their product footprint and give them access to uh, different expertise. In some cases, they're acquiring AI companies that brings in kind of acquire hires of certain types of skill sets and certain types of um, you know, expertise that they need to be able to get into certain areas. And in all of these cases, though, the capital efficiency of the companies that they're acquiring is something to note. And, and if you look at other peer groups of, the, of Freshworks, for example, we did stories on Atlassian. Atlassian is a very successful bootstrapped Australian company that went public in the U.S. market. And they have been following the same strategy of acquiring capital-efficient startups, 
Smartsheet, another bootstrap company, these are all Atlassian, Smartsheet, Freshworks, these are all bootstrap first, raise money later case studies. So they have raised now huge amounts of money and then not Freshworks, but the others, Atlassian and Smartsheet have already gone public. But if you look at their acquisition strategies, there are a lot of their, they're acquiring companies that have that capital efficiency built in. So it's, it's a lot cheaper for these companies to acquire companies that have not taken huge amounts of funding, and that's, that is far more attractive. So, for example, where this fails on the buy side, I'll give you an example. Aptus is a great story, actually. Aptus bootstrapped to $5 million. They built their entire contract management software product on top of the Salesforce.com platform, Force.com. And then they started raising money. They ended up raising lots of money. And they continued to build on the Salesforce.com platform. But at some point, they had raised so much money that when Salesforce.com was looking to acquire a contract management software company, they did not acquire Aptus. They acquired a small company that was very capital efficient, and they brought that one in. And that put Aptus in a bind because now Salesforce, that was supposed to be their biggest champion and biggest lead generator, has a competitor, has acquired a competitor. So their exit path got blocked. So that company recently got sold to private equity, and that, that company could have been a gigantic success. They did a lot of things right, but then they raised too much money. And this is something that you have to be aware of because there is a lot of money floating in the system. In fact, there's too much money chasing too few deals. So when you start hitting your stride, if you get carried away and raise huge amounts of money, you better have a strategy of doing something that is going to get you to the right exit because all these investors also need exits and you need exits. So there's, this is a very complex set of strategic moves that you're going to have to think through. And, um, and I think you know, raising lots of capital is something that you should be very, very careful about. And frankly, I have you know, um, constantly pushed Freshworks on this topic. If you read my coverage, my personal coverage of fresh, fresh works through the last decade, you will see that I'm constantly holding them publicly accountable for raising so much money and not hitting on profitability. This year, they have hit on profitability, which is a great milestone that I was publicly pushing them on. So, you know, the reason Freshworks is important is because the, this is the first company out of India to be able to do stuff at this scale, right? Nobody, no other B2B SaaS company out of India has done things at this scale. They haven't raised this much money. Nobody has raised this much money. Nobody has been following this acquisition strategy. Nobody has been able to hit the kind of revenue levels they've hit. They have hit the 100 million ARR uh, level now. All these are firsts. But I think this opportunity of other people doing it is there. So you're gonna you're gonna have to play this in different ways, and and what Yash is explaining to you out of Arca and the platform that they have created is one strategy of playing this B2B SaaS out of India game, strategically, you know, effectively, intelligently. So, Yash, you want to add to that? Um, no. I completely agree with uh, with uh, what you what you just said you know uh, capital efficiency uh, paying attention to it and uh, seeing how that will build uh, 
uh, an economic advantage for you to uh, and a sustainable advantage is extremely important and uh, and 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 it 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 doesn't come naturally to a lot of people uh, and and the tendency is to get carried away by other companies maybe even within the same sector who have raised additional money and the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs do is hey um um you know company x or company y raised x million dollars from them and you know we got to do the same i yeah. think you know playing the game of your competition uh, competition in the way they want to be played is a losing value proposition you got to you got to kind of really build a company around what contributes to your economic advantage your technology advantage and your operational advantage so that's that's what you got to stay focused and not get carried away by a lot of noise um yes uh, when companies do raise in um uh, a lot of money they will generate a lot of noise in the market they will have pretty much your entire product roadmap into their product roadmap or some of the features that you differentiate into their product roadmap but uh, that's where uh, you got to you got to persist on your vision on and really work with the customer and the customer see through what is fluff and what is product roadmap very quickly so it's 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 about persistence it's about staying disciplined yes uh, before we move to the entrepreneur discussions um, could you talk a little bit about the three venture funds that have put our ventures together and what uh, do you envision would be their roles in follow on financing in uh, the companies that come into arca yeah so uh, arca venture labs we wanted to make this an open and powerful platform for our founders um, and again uh, when you're building enterprise companies or b2b focused companies it is never a one stage game it is always uh, you know you got to build company in stages uh, and uh, we wanted to partner with the folks who are united in this mission of providing this open and collaborative partner uh, platform for our indian entrepreneurs and helping them scale into the global markets um, so we partnered with uh, bloom ventures and emergent ventures along with uh, us at bgv benamo global ventures uh, in order to uh, provide this platform the three of us are the founding vc partners we have put the seed capital to get the fund rolling and start making investments uh, and uh, we are also bringing on additional partners both corporates family offices angel investors who otherwise do um, angel investments on their own uh, into the platform so that our entrepreneurs have access to um, a wide variety of network and about and and uh, a wide range of uh, advisors who can advise on go to market strategies positioning and also around uh, subject matter expertise around particular verticals um between the three funds we have uh, close to more uh, we have close to uh, 300 million dollars in assets and management uh, up to 100 company 100 plus companies within the portfolio so there is a there is a lot of uh, cumulative learning that uh, our founders who are coming into the arca platform have access to right from day one 
And could you also uh, talk a bit about the company that, uh, the first company that you have invested in that is also in 1 million by 1 million and help our entrepreneurs think through a little bit of what you saw in this company that helped you decide to pull the trigger? Yeah, so uh, one of our first investments is a company called Prima Seller. Um, and uh, Prima Seller uh, provides an inventory management solution for omnichannel retail. Um, so the founder had the domain expertise of uh, uh, working in the supply chain business for uh, several years before he started this company. Um, he built the company originally focused on the Indian markets with Indian customers, but very uh, quickly pivoted to the global markets. Um, has a lot of customers from North America and Western Europe, uh, all of whom have come organically going onto the website and signing on. Um, they have excellent reviews on all the review pl platforms uh, um, that where they have watched their appreciation for the product and how simple it is and how easy to use it is. Um, and so that kind of, what we saw was that there was elements of all the things that I previously mentioned in the company. And when you look at what's happening on the retail industry in the US market, you're seeing more and more retail stores being disrupted by the Amazon model. They have to be omnichannel by nature. They have to have uh, operations uh, in their retail stores, but also they have to have a direct-to-customer channel online. Uh, and the biggest challenge when you're trying to do this is inventory management. And inventory management is one thing where if you don't do it well, it's a loss-loss situation, meaning if you don't have the right inventory in place, uh, you're going to lose the customer. The customer is going to walk into the next store and buy the, buy the product. Um, and if you have too much of inventory, that means that you know, you're incurring a lot of inventory-related costs, uh, both from an opportunity cost of the held-up capital, as well as uh, from you know, the additional expenses that you bear with storage, with uh, all the logistics around it and wastage, right? So uh, that's where having right inventory management is a an, is an very important problem that all the retailers are currently facing. And uh, it was, it, what we found was a nice slick uh, product uh, that uh, a lot of existing customers have already shown appreciation towards. Um, so th those are the elements of uh, the company. And uh, now the advantage uh, they, they have is, you know, they have the operations of, uh, of a few uh, quarters already in, into selling to uh, uh, global clients. And now the opportunity is to go slightly up market and increase the average ticket size, increase the product feature set, et cetera.